0: Service. He showed up at 9:30, and I guess didn't like it um, and quit or something. I don't know what happened. His name is Chuck. Uh, Chuck Bridgman, and he is the chair of our finance committee, uh, the finance committee at the church. And uh, what he was doing is he was going to come and, and speak uh, about the current financial situation of the church. And he's done this in the sanctuary probably about four times throughout the year, but he's never come to New Heights and spoken. And we invited him to speak um, and. Apparently, we only told him nine thirty. I thought we said both services, but who knew? Um, he may have felt he was in a suit, looked really nice, and we kind of made fun of him, so maybe that was it uh, but basically, this is what he said um, we We find ourselves in current financial trouble across the globe, um, and the economy, as we all know, is in a state of huh um and because of that, giving is down to all. Organizations across the board, um, 501c3s, which are nonprofit corporations, are shutting down all over the country because they no longer have the funds to keep the doors open. Um, we are blessed as a church uh, in many ways. Uh, one of those ways is financially. Um, while we are not achieving the budget as we have set forward, uh, we're st- we're not in jeopardy of closing. Um, We are, I think, current numbers, $65,000 behind um, budget in our giving. Um, We budget very conservatively every year. Uh, The monies uh, that go, I mean, you can probably call the church and get a copy of the budget if you uh, ever really can't sleep. Um, But the monies that we designate go to specific ministries and programs and things like that. Um, And the projected uh, total for the end of the year, December, is a big month for us. Uh, we usually receive, I can't remember the percentage, but it's a whopping percentage of our budget uh, each year in December. Um, and because of the trend of things, we believe that we might be 200 dollars to $250,000 behind budget this year. And so they just, the finance committee felt like we should tell the church this uh, and keep you updated. They've been doing it in the sanctuary. We don't talk about finances much in here. Because we have this understanding and from statistics and studies, one of the reasons people say they don't go to church is uh is that all they ever do is talk about your money and all they do is want your money um that's not true. we want your soul <laughs> <Just kidding. Wow. laughs> for Christ we want your soul for christ is that i'm sorry uh so and and so we don't talk about it very often. We do have the operatory pillars in the back that is what those Uh, fine looking boxes of wood are there's a little slot on top to which you can put your donation in Um, and we encourage you just to pray about this we're not going to I have no idea what anyone in this room gives I really don't care it's between you and God Um, I am I never want to know what you give Uh, so I I have no idea what you give if you ever wonder like do the pastors look out and go hmm that guy over there is a little behind this year that he was no I have no idea Uh, so I'm sure somebody in our church does, probably one person, um, Henry Friesenhahn, our accountant. We, Our church operates in, in a sense that we don't want to know. Uh, so that's the way. David doesn't know either, and that's the way we've kind of set it up. So there you go. That's the financial thing. Um, when David asked me to speak about it, I said, do you want me to say please? He said, would you throw in a pretty? So pretty please. Um, there you go. Uh, there's the finance thing. And then the second thing I wanted to speak about was about the W-5 project, uh, the ending of the W-5 project. Five project that Daryl talked about. Uh, we did a lot of weird stuff this summer, and it was our attempt to retrain ourselves in what worship truly is. Worship just isn't coming and sitting for an hour on Sunday morning. Worship is a way of life. There are many facets of worship, many different parts to worship. Being a body of Christ together, being a community, knowing the people that you sit around on a Sunday by Sunday basis—that's part of worship. Uh, going and serving, being the hands and feet of Jesus—is a huge. Part of worship. That's the way that Christ set as an example for us to live. I mean, His words were, "I didn't come to be served; I came to serve." Um, and study is part of that. And then corporate worship, coming together as a body and lifting praise to God. So all those different facets are part of worship. And we wanted to to play around with that this summer, and we did. And uh, and it is now over. Um, you can throw in your applause if you're one of the people that didn't like it. Wow, really? You're going to be bold enough to do that? I'm seeing who's doing that. <clears throat> Jesus, did you see who? Okay. Um, so, <laughs> just kidding. We know it didn't work for everybody. So we heard. In in fact, really, we asked for your comments after the first go round, and no one said anything negative. So the fact that we did it all summer is your fault. If you didn't like it, you didn't come and tell us. So you can sit there and applaud yourself. Uh, I don't know what that means, but um, so we're we're moving forward and and. And taking from this uh, some learning experiences for us as a leadership team, um, as well as I think for the community at large, there is a lot more people in here that I know the name of now that I didn't before. And it was because of those community Sundays and because of the service Sundays. So I think it was a success moving forward. That being said, as we go forward, this is what's going to happen. First of all, how many of you never felt like you knew where we were? It's okay to raise your hand. Okay. Yeah, I promise we always said where we were going to be. Uh, We had emails, and we were sending emails out to people and the website. And the website, we spent a lot of time um, reorganizing and reproducing. And and so newheights.cc is like New Heights Community Church. You can see it that way if you remember the CC, even though that's not who we are. But um, newheights.cc, this is our website. And on there, you can always find what's happening, where are we, what are we going to be doing, what's going on. You'll also find a... uh, a page there to the staff um, if you go back one space, and um, you'll, you'll find the little you'll see the little person and if you ever have questions or doubts about anything and what's going on you can find that lovely individual up top or the little guy below him um, any one of us will know email us uh, ask us questions say what's going on where are you going to be what is going you know please uh, that's all we sit in the office and, and ho- just sit around looking at our computers waiting for you to email all day long it's all Daryl and I do Um, So that information will always be on the website. And and we really encourage you to go there. If you don't have a computer, um, because somebody mentioned that last service, and I think they were messing with my mind, but uh, come to the church. We have plenty of them here. Call the church office. Call me. Um, We will uh, figure it out for you. The one thing that we are carrying forward with this W5 that we are hanging on to is the service Sunday. uh, Is every fifth Sunday we will be off campus uh... every fifth sunday in a rotation um... so like count to five one two three four serve one two three four serve just like that um... because i think it's an integral part of being a disciple of jesus christ is serving is being the hands and feet of jesus in the world and moving out into the world and, and carrying the message of christ with us through our service there will be worship and teaching um... at each one of these events short worship short teaching um but then we will go out and serve. This next one's going to be November 8th at Blueprint Ministries downtown. You can find information uh about it where? Thank you. Wow, you are listening. Excellent. Uh on the website. I'm like teaching my fifth graders again. Uh yeah, so it'll be on the website. You can go back find information about Blueprint. We meet there at 8:30 downtown at the Blueprint site. Do a little worship, a little uh, a little teaching, have some tacos, and then you either stay on campus and do some work or fan out to some elderly people's homes and really help them out a whole lot. Uh, wear work clothes. It is worth it. Those of you that have been know of what I speak. It is a cool experience down at Blueprint. So we encourage you, if you have children, this is always a question, bring your kids, but know that they are your kids. There you go. I think that implies everything that it needs to. Uh, so... Uh, Any questions about that, please see Carrie Spilhagen, um, who's sitting in the back with long blonde hair, or myself. um, Come ask us anything about this. If you have comments about W5, good, bad, or indifferent, please let us know. And I do encourage you to come to the service Sundays uh, because not only is it a great way to help people that are less fortunate than ourselves, it's also a great way to meet the body of Christ, the people that worship with you on a regular basis, to start to know the, the names of the faces that you see all the time. Um, I told this story last time, and I will tell it again. Um, I've known Fran um, Smith, Francis Smith Downing, for uh, about 12 years now, I think, maybe. I met her. She is Daryl's little sister, um, and I've known her for a long time, but I haven't really known her until I spent the weekend in Piedras in the shower with her. Um, So there you go. She's sitting over there. That's awesome. Yeah, and her husband. Uh, All three of us were in the shower. We were tiling a shower at a boy's dormitory at the orphanage. Down in Piedras Negras, and so we're doing tile work and really got to know each other um, on a totally different level. And by the way, if you ever need somebody to use a water saw and cut tile, Francis is your girl. There you go. Uh, So, any questions about that? Please ask us and see us afterwards. So ends W5. Coming up, what we will be doing is a a short series after service Sunday, and then we're in Advent. Uh, November 29th is the starts the Advent season. Um And this year we're going to be doing something a little different uh called Advent Conspiracy. And you'll be finding more about that uh, in the weeks ahead. We're excited about Advent Conspiracy. So Philippians is where we are today. And before I get started, let me give you a little background that I gave the very first Sunday that we st- spoke about Philippians. Philippians is a letter written from a pastor to his church essentially. It's like I sat down and said, Dear New Heights, how are you? Um, Paul sat down, wrote a letter to the church of Philippi. Now, the circumstances around his writing were he was on death row in a Roman prison. Lovely place to be, to spend the fall. Um, So he's writing a letter to the church of Philippi from Rome in prison, awaiting a trial in which his life or death situation would hand out Caesar would either do this or that and he writes this letter to the church of Philippi now Philippi was one of the first churches that Paul planted if you don't know anything about Paul Paul was a a Pharisee by birth he grew up in the Pharisee way and and really excelled at it he uh, he was a Roman citizen and also a Jew so that brought with him some credibility that uh, some of the other disciples did not have Um, he was highly educated. He studied under the Harvard, if you will, of the day. Gamliel was the rabbi uh, that he studied under and and really did very, very well at it and became kind of the enforcer for the Pharisees. Uh, They would send him out to to squash any kind of uh, sect inside the Jewish church that was going counter to what they believed should happen. And And so Paul would go out, and he was feared. He was a guy that that went out, and when people saw Paul coming, they got a little nervous because he had a reputation. So he was sent to um, Damascus, and he was told to go to Damascus to crush this new little sect called The Way. People who believed in Jesus Christ, they called him The Way at the time. Um, And so he's on his way there, and uh, if you remember the story on the road to Damascus, uh, Jesus appears before him, blinds him. Um, and says, hey, what's the problem? Um, why are you Why are you doing this to me? And they have this little conversation, and he tells them to go into the city to a man named Ananias. Ananias would lay hands on him, pray, and he'd see again. So he does that. Ananias uh, prays for him, and then scales are lifted from his eyes, he says, and he can see again, not just physically, I believe, but spiritually. He truly sees um, what what God is all about and Jesus Christ. And from that moment forward, he, as passionate as he was as a Pharisee, he became just that passionate about his life with Christ and sharing the gospel message. So he traveled all over um, telling people about Jesus Christ. And he didn't just stick with the Jews because of his Roman citizenryship. Um, he was able to go into places and to have some credibility that uh, Peter wasn't. So he went to the Gentiles and he spoke to all these different people. City of Philippi was a pretty big city. Uh, it was an important city. There were mines around there, so it was a very wealthy city. It, it afforded a lot of gold to Rome. There were a lot of there was a huge Roman military presence there uh, because the, it was a place for Roman soldiers to retire. It was like the Windcrest of Rome. Um, people would go there and retire after they served their country, and uh, and big presence of Rome there. Um, and it was one of the first places that he started a church, and he had a deep love for it. Now, they also had a love for him, and throughout his ministry, they continually supported him financially. You know, being a missionary, you need money to live. And he would go different places, and, you know, he was a tent maker, so he could make a tent, sell a tent, and get some money. But a lot of times, he wasn't able to do that, for instance, in prison. In prison during this time, if you were there, you couldn't obviously make tents and sell tents, uh, nor would they feed you. Um, or give you anything. It's unlike prisons today, where you get cable and food and all that kind of stuff. It's you're thrown in and you're left. And if you survive, it's because someone from the outside provides for you. And so his times in prison, um, which were many, uh, he was supported by the church at Philippi. And in Philippians 4, it, it talks about that: that you have always been faithful to me. Other churches have given to me on and off, but you have always been faithful to me. So he writes this letter to the people of philippi and in it are just condensed a lot of different lessons and um but i think that the underlying thing is is about joy it's it's just this joyfulness in this letter if you remember the words that he says uh, rejoice in the lord always i will say it again rejoice this is a guy on death row he's talking about joy rejoice in the lord i mean come on get it rejoice i'm on death row you're living your little life in an affluent town. you got all kinds of stuff, so have joy in your life. And it continually, over and over again, he talks about this joy thing. But he begins the letter and he ends the letter with uh, the word karis, um, which is Greek for grace. Now, when I say the word grace, many things may conjure up in your mind. Because that word is used a lot. Uh, you know, say grace. You know, when you're saying your prayer or, you know, when I I think of the word grace, um, a few things come to mind. Uh, One, when I was a child and going through my growth spurts and uh, as boys who grow quickly can attest to, I wasn't um, the most fleet of foot. And so I would trip over myself and trip a lot. And my brother and sister, I remember um, to this day. (sighs) sorry, um, would always say, you know, nice move, Grace, like that, you know, well, it was real graceful, that type of thing. So I remember it as an evil word, really, that hurt me um, deeply. You can tell. Um, so I remember it kind of that way. And then the other thing I think of, which is kind of random, but uh, the other thing I think of uh, with Grace is I love old movies. And my wife can attest to this. I make her watch them. She can't stand them. But I love old movies. Black and white, the better, you know. And I love those old movies. I love uh, watching Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and, and Gene Kelly. And, um, and then you get Fred and Freddie and Gracie and, oh man, just, uh, you know, just Grace Kelly is just this beautiful image of grace personified. And, and when Fred and Ginger start dancing, that's grace just to see them move across. Yeah, that's right. i watch those movies. Get over it. To move across the dance floor in such a beautiful way that, that just is, is art. I, it's such a graceful thing. I, I see that is the word grace. And, and then you take it into to many other, other realms. Obviously, we have a daughter named Grace. So, I, you know, of course, I would think of her uh, when I think of that name. But the word charis, uh, the Greek word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, is how it is spelled. Um, what it means is gift, essentially. It's just an undeserved gift plain and simple undeserved gift that's what it is and so listen to what paul says at the beginning of philippians chapter one this letter is from paul and timothy slaves of christ jesus it is written to all of god's people in philippi who believe in jesus christ and to the elders and deacons that always makes me laugh that like the leaders of the church didn't believe in jesus because he kind of left them out of that sorry that's just my own sense um and then he gets to verse two May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. So he opens his letter by saying, this is from Paul and Timothy to you people. May God give you grace and peace. What a beautiful way to begin a conversation with someone. Walking up to them saying, hey, hey, Addison, it's Michael. May God give you grace. What a wonderful way to start a conversation. May God give you grace and peace. And then he goes on throughout the book of Philippians, throughout his letter, and and, and he gets into different things. And throughout the the, the whole uh, letter, there's a tenant of joy. And then he comes to the end. Chapter 4, verse 21 is where I am. Give my greetings to all the Christians there. The brothers who are with me send you their greetings also. And all the other Christians send their greetings too, especially those who work in Caesar's palace. We're not talking Vegas here; we're talking Rome. And uh, and how cool is that? That Paul has been a captive in prison and giving people the gospel message and turning people into believers of Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying there. Dude, rocked. I mean, he went into the lion's mouth and said Jesus Christ, and people started believing. That is some awesomeness right there. But verse twenty-three. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. He begins by saying, may grace be with you, and he ends by saying, may grace be with you. Do you think he thought charis was important? I mean, he bookends all of what he's saying by saying, may this undeserved gift of love and peace be upon you. A man sitting on death row, May the love of Christ, who died for you, may that love, that undeserved gift of salvation, shower upon you. Man, Paul was so selfless. He wasn't thinking of himself. He was saying, may God's grace be with you. Shower upon you. Imagine what our world would be like if we all had that sentiment. If we all lived in such a way, we were saying, may God's grace be with you. What if we lived truly grace-filled lives? Now seriously, we could do an entire series on grace. And in fact, we did four years ago. You might have seen as you walked by the offertory pillars, these little magnets that were sitting on there. They were leftovers from the series. And on it, it says, grace forever. And then it has a quote from Psalm 23. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This was a series that we did um, four years ago, four and a half years ago. You might, remember, you might want to know how I know that so well. It was because um, our daughter Grace was just about to be born. In fact, we finished this series really close to the start of Advent and then Grace's birth, December 20th. And the fun thing about it for me was that Jenna and I had already known that her name would be Grace. But none of y'all did. And so it was cool. I was talking about my daughter and this gift of God the entire time, and you didn't know it. So that was cool for me. Um, but there are some magnets back there. I, I really have no idea what I said on those Sundays. <clears throat> I'm sure it was brilliant. Um, but so you could, you could spend an entire series on on just codries, grace. So what do you talk about in 15 minutes? I I think what... What I see in Paul's just importance of this, may, may God's grace be with you, is how come I'm not living my life that way? I'm saying, why, why am I not a more graceful person? One, seeing the grace of God that continually comes to me, and two, giving it, giving it back. Not to God, but to each person I encounter. And then I look at the world around me and I look at all the circumstances in the world and the news and all the stuff going on. And I'm like, where is the grace here? Where's the grace in our society? You look at the economy and just the bitterness that has come forward because of all the situation and the people pointing fingers and yelling and screaming at one another. You may not watch the same TV shows that I do, but or listen to the same radio station, but people are angry and pointing fingers and it's still going on and then you get the health debate wow and we have these people that are supposed to be working for us getting further and further and further apart from one another and we're sitting down here saying where's the grace where's the grace where's that undeserved gift of love why are we not treating one another with this undeserved gift of love that we all have received whether or not we acknowledge it where's this grace where is it in our lives? I, I try to live my life each and every day more and more like Jesus Christ, and every day I fail. I mean, there, there are moments in my life where I, I think I get it, moments in my day where I get it, and I and I, and I let that grace that fills me, I let it come forward. But then there's other times that I just block it off. Like, I mean, you know, right over there. Yeah, right by the quarry. When you people don't follow the signs and you cut over when you're not supposed to cut over, grace will not come from my car. I will cut you off because you're breaking the law. It's really a lesson. So it is graceful that I'm teaching you how to drive and follow merging signs. But where is the grace in our day-to-day lives? I, uh, I Last week, y'all, y'all were here, most of you, at 11 o'clock, and... Um, and I talked about the trip to Pietras Negras a little bit, and I talked about the Casa Bethesda, which is the special needs orphanage. And in this moment I had with this little girl who was in a wheelchair and Daryl and Stacy were, were in this room singing, um, a couple of songs, uh, worship songs to some girls that, uh, were not able to get out of their bed. And, and I was in there and, and the song they were singing, let it be just kind of broke me down. And I had to walk out into the doorway where this little girl was standing or sitting. And, um, and she was just smiling at me, and she, and she reached her hand out to me, and, and I reached back and I grabbed it. And for many of you, that doesn't sound like such a big thing, but for me, that actually is kind of a big deal. Um, and it was this moment of uh, gracefulness, where the grace of God was just holding the two of us together. I have no I, she was not able to communicate with words, not just in English, but any words. And I wasn't able really to communicate to her because I didn't know her language. But grace was there. God's grace was there just enveloping that moment. And I don't know if it meant as much to her as it did to me, but it was so powerful. God's grace was just there. Friday night we went to a a a dinner. It was a fundraiser dinner for a ministry that deals with special needs kids in Romania. And um, this gentleman got up and he has a special needs daughter. She's nine years old. She has uh, Down syndrome. He didn't say that. I was just, that's what I'm thinking. Um, she has this beautiful, oh man, just beautiful blonde, long curly hair. It just looked like a princess out of Disney. And she's wearing this pretty little black velvet dress. And When Daryl and Stacy were playing music up there, she was up there dancing, the only one dancing, and everybody else was kind of looking at them, you know, at the side of their eyes, going, who are you people? Because we were all in suits and stuff, and Daryl was wearing, you know, a snap shirt and jeans, as Daryl typically does. He's a rock star. So, um, so there's this beautiful little girl, and her dad gets up, and he tells this story that I've actually heard before. I've read before, but I've never heard before. Let me say it that way. And, um, and it's, it's this, this is the story. Um, He said, when, when you're having a baby, it's, it's, it's like you're going on a trip and you're going on a trip to Italy and you just get excited about this trip to Italy. You are so pumped. You've always, always wanted to see Italy. Some of your friends have been to Italy. They tell you it's awesome. It's great. You need to go to Italy. So you start just investing in and all these books about Italy, and you start looking up these, these sites and you start traveling, your, your travel plan and all these things, you get so excited, about. you start even learning Italian, some different phrases, and you start thinking about, "Oh, you know, the, the meatballs are going to be great." and oh, I just can't wait to get over there to Italy, and it's going to be so incredible. You buy your tickets, you, just are, you and your wife are so excited about this trip, and, and, and you go, you board the plane, and, and right when you get on the plane, they go, "You know what? We're going to move you up to first class. How come? I don't know. Just go sit up in first class. Oh, it gets even better. The anticipation of the trip is just so joyful and exciting. And you get on the plane and oh, the whole way over there, you're looking through the stuff. Oh, we're going to see oh, stuff by Michelangelo and, and Da Vinci. And oh, I just can't wait to have some uh, great pizza and some, oh, just, I can't wait for it. And, and, and the plane lands and you and your wife get excited and you start going chow and stuff like that. And, And the captain comes over, the intercom, and he says, Welcome to Denmark. Oh, wait a minute. We're supposed to be in Italy. Well, flight changed in there, and your trip is now to Denmark. Well, we haven't studied up on Denmark. I don't know the language. I don't know anything about the country. I don't know what they eat. I don't know what they do. I don't know how to... I don't know what I'm going to do here in Denmark. I was supposed to go to Italy. Yeah, but you're here in Denmark now. So you need to learn a new language. And you need to begin to see new sights and new experiences. And you have to change everything. It doesn't erase the fact that you remember that you were supposed to go to Italy and you're still kind of upset you're not there. Your friends are still going to Italy and and they come back and they tell you about their trip to Italy and how awesome it is and how wonderful it is and they show you pictures of Italy and and every time they do that it hurts a little inside. But you're there in Denmark. Let me tell you what grace is for me. Being in Denmark Being able to learn a new language and to see a new world, to see the love of God through the people of Denmark. Being in Denmark gives me the opportunity to to receive the grace of God that I never would have gotten in Italy. It's an undeserved gift of love. It's not what I expected. It's not what I set out to do. It's not even in my plans. And sometimes I still get angry about being in Denmark. But God's grace is made so much more clear to me in those moments that I realize I am in Denmark. I think we all have those moments where we set out. Our path is leading us one direction. And then all of a sudden, we end up at a different destination that's when god's grace is most evident and most prevalent that's when that undeserved gift of love and peace can just envelop you in the arms of god and that's when you need to turn around and give it back to the world who desperately needs it i mean paul set out to do this mission and he is thrown in prison he actually goes to italy he was in rome nobody all right so he's in prison and yet it wasn't the plan that he set out to do and yet there in prison he feels the grace of god and there from prison he sends that grace and peace of god to the people of philippi and corinth and rome and ephesus and all of the churches that he had planted all of the people that he had shared the gospel message with he continually writes them these letters of grace and peace because he understood what it was like to get a gift that he didn't deserve. And so he began to live his life that way. That's what I want for myself. I want to begin to accept that gift of grace that God gives me and then to turn it back to the world. And in the middle, experience the joy of Christ. As I begin to take on this new mindset, this phronesis that we talked about, this phronesis, this mindset of Jesus Christ, changing myself into the person that God wants to be as I allow the Holy Spirit to meld me and mold me and shape me through trials and triumphs, all the while experiencing the grace of God, all the while remembering that I cannot keep that grace to myself because it is not mine to hold on to. Man, let's start doing that with one another. Each one of, the, <clears throat> excuse me, each one of us has received the grace of Christ. It's not ours. It is not deserved. So we cannot hold it. Give the grace of Christ. Begin your conversation saying, the grace and peace of God be with you. It may take people a little while to get used to it. But imagine when people realize that you truly care for them because they are a child of God, not just somebody walking around this earth. May the grace and peace of Christ be with you. Let us pray. Gracious and heavenly Father, you are truly a graceful God who has given us more than we could ever imagine or deserve. You gave us life, God. You gave us life, breath. You breathed into us. You knit us together so wonderfully and beautifully in our mother's womb and brought us forth to this world. But you didn't stop there. As we lived a life of sin and desperation and loss, you filled us with your grace and spirit. God, you allow us as we accept this gift to achieve eternal life as we acknowledge and accept the gift of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Lord, you are so freely showering grace upon us help us to realize that it is not for us to hold on to, but to give back to the world. That we are to be the hands and feet of Christ. That we are to be the arms of Christ wrapping around a world who desperately needs to feel your love. And God, if we are in the place right now where we need to feel that grace, let the brothers and sisters of God who surround us right now be the ones To offer that grace and that peace. God, we thank you for Paul and for the wisdom that you gave him and the courage to speak the words that you gave him to speak, even though it meant his life. Give us that same courage, that same discipline. Thank you, Lord, for the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who offers all of this to us. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Uh, Very quickly, before you go, uh, we will be having corporate worship next week and then November 8th, service Sunday. But you might have heard that we are starting a new church in this very room at 5 o'clock. Well, you're correct, but it's not us. Um, A church is planting here in the CLC at 5 o'clock on Sunday evenings. Um, They are from a small church on 1604. Um, You might know them as Community Bible Church, CBC. Just a little bitty church of about 30,000 members on 1604. Um, They felt called by God to come to Alamo Heights and start a church. Um, By the looks of your faces, some of you didn't know this information. Um, Some of you did. However, you will probably be getting um, direct mail campaign. I know that they are planning on doing that. And so I wanted you to hear it from us when you receive an invitation to come to Heights Community Church. That's right. Um, In the CLC at 5 o'clock. That's not us. Um, And I also want you to know that I have been through a roller coaster of emotions with this. Um, Pride being one of the first ones that came forward. Uh, And then other things uh, that have flown from that. And let me say that um, this is not a money-making operation. Even though we just told you that we are behind in our finances, the only money that they will be paying us is for the electricity that they use while they are here. We're not taking anything from them other than that. That greatly surprised them. They were shocked beyond belief um, by this. In fact, Robert Emmett did a, a sermon um, pretty much about the fact that Alma Heights and Methodist Church was helping them start a church in not our backyard, but our house, um, essentially, which is kind of the irony. Just, just, it's so funny. Um, but I think this fits in with a grace topic, um, and, and this is why. They're not our competition They're not our enemy. The enemy is. Um, Satan, the world, who is against us, we have a common enemy as CBC. And because of that, we are working towards the same goal, to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ, to move them forward so that they might have a stronger and deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. So essentially, we're on the same team. We just wear different jerseys. Um, I have said this for years. I don't care where you go to church. Just go to a church. Get involved in a community of believers. We're not on the, we're not on the, same, uh, we're on the same team. We just wear different jerseys. I've always said that. And now God's like, do you really believe it? Um, yes, I still do. Uh, so I, I, it is, I think, a sign of grace that David Minitsky and our church leaders said, you know what? We want to help you. We have been given a gift of this campus. We're not using it at five o'clock on Sunday evening. You're working towards the same goal that we are. So may you be blessed by your time here. They'll be here for six months, months, and then we will reevaluate after that. Um, so if you have any questions about that, thoughts or otherwise, uh, please come see me. I have uh, been asked them all, asked them all, um, and answered them myself. Uh, the plus side is you no longer have to put your chair up. Look at that. Yeah, That's right. We'll let those suckers from CBC do it from now on. So (laughs) there will be prayer on this side of the stage after the service. Until then, we'll see you next week.